Welcome to With a Twist, the number one parenting show on the planet. In an era where the majority of children are not asking what they want to be when they grow up, but instead what they want to be when they give up, With a Twist will help you raise hopeful, thriving, engaged, and confident children. Be the parent you've always wanted to be using With a Twist's signature success system. With a Twist is the only parenting podcast that will enable the everyday parent have peace of mind while navigating the school system and life. Give your child the opportunity to thrive instead of just barely survive. And now, the founder of With a Twist, Amber Scotchburn. Good morning, afternoon or evening. You're with Amber Scotchburn from Parenting with a Twist. And today we're talking about 13 reasons why not. Yesterday I did an episode on 13 reasons why not, my first episode, and it's basically based on the 13 reasons why episode series from Netflix. So Netflix has a series called 13 Reasons Why, and it's about a girl named Hannah Baker, who's 17, who chooses to take her life. And there's 13 audio cassettes left behind as to the different reasons why she chose to take it. And it's very graphic. If you watched yesterday's or listened to yesterday's, I talk about how uh, episode 12, there's a rape scene. Episode 13 is where they actually show her taking her life. So just so you're aware, uh, before you do sit down to watch it, um, which I'm encouraging you to do, that uh, that's what happens in those episodes. So go into it eyes wide open. What I wanted to talk to you about in regards to it is 13 reasons why not. School systems are sending out letters, at least across North America, about this the series and suggesting that it's glorifying um, suicide and potentially could be getting people to want to choose to take their lives uh, because of the way it's presented and the fact that it's just being talked about in a uh, Netflix series which anybody really can watch and um, I have a different perspective on that I feel that um, our kids are watching it and have heard of it and are discussing it. And beyond that, it's part of what kids go through, these different things that come up in 13 Reasons Why. There is bullying that comes up, cyberbullying, slut-shaming, physical assaults, rape as an example of physical assault, um, suicide. So there are lots of different things that come up in this and they are the things that kids experience at school. And so um, we need to be talking about it. I think that covering your eyes and saying don't talk about it is not going to be helpful. So that's why I'm bringing you this series, 13 Reasons Why Not. Today, I wanted to talk to you about what we can do as parents. Um, if you're a teacher watching this, what you can do as a teacher. Um, basically, anybody that has anything to do with human beings, <laughs> this would be good for you to know. Um, but I'll specifically focus more on parents and teachers because that's my realm of expertise. And then take what you will from it. But essentially, what I want to walk people through as we go through this is what I consider the first step. And so in Parenting with a Twist and in Tutoring with a Twist, 
the first step in the twist is to learn to be happy no matter what. And that's a huge statement because for somebody that is going through uh, or experiencing mental illness type behaviors um, or, you know, drives or, or lack thereof, potentially, um, they may not be able to be happy just because. So that might sound fluffy or that might sound like I'm just saying something that's impossible, but I don't think it is. I think that we can all strive to be there. We just have to understand what that means and what that is. So what is happy just because? So I have my little uh, ball that I'll just be holding in my hands as I do it, but you can see um, if you're on Facebook Live with me that it's um, just a little happy face and it's a stretch, stretchy ball or stress ball. Those of you that are on a podcast aren't going to be able to see that, but basically what I'm holding is just like a rubbery ball with a big happy face on it. So this can be a reminder to me of being happy just because. And whatever reminder you might need to do, choose for your family or yourself uh, or your classroom would be really good for you to have um, as a representation so that it just makes you remember that. But basically where I'm bringing this up to you from is my book, Parenting with a Twist. And um, those of you, again, that are on Facebook Live, I can just show that to you. It's that first symbol. It's, again, it's a happy face, okay? And so basically, guys, happy faces. Have them around somewhere <laughs> or whatever represents being happy just because to you. You'll want to know what that is. Um, so life isn't always fair. Let's, let's maybe we can agree on that, that sometimes there are really crappy things that happen in life. And um, I just got off. Uh, a YouTube interview where I talked about something from my life that wasn't great and how I turned that around. What hope did I bring out of that situation? So we're all going to go through things. And what I'm going to share with you right now is a story of uh, that's not in my book that I really wanted to put in in the foreword, but I was kind of told it was too dark. But I think it's appropriate for this. And uh, in my second edition of my book, I'm actually going to put the story back in. But basically, I was in high school, and I got a call to uh, go to the office, and I went to the office, and it was my mom on the phone, which was pretty irregular in those days, and obviously, we didn't have cell phones, uh, so my mom couldn't have just, like, texted me to call her, so it was a big deal to be called to the office and, and get on the phone, and, and it turned out that a friend of mine who had been pretty sick had chosen to take her life, and, and she took her life, and my mom was calling to give me that message, and the reason why she was giving it to me at school was she didn't want me to hear it from somebody else. And also, um, her best friends went to my school, and I needed to let her know. And they really were worried about her, and they were hoping that I could be the one to help her through learning this news, that her best friend had taken her life. And uh, I'm not going to use her real name. Let's say her name is Dorothy. So Dorothy took her life. And um, there had actually been other suicides that were talked about in high school. Um, I'm not sure what it was at that point in time. Um, although now that I talk to more kids, as I went through being a social worker and a teacher, it's not necessarily unusual um, that these thoughts go people's, through people's minds. So this is happening to me. It's, I'm in high school. I'm going to go tell her best friends. And you know, I, I go through that and I'm at the funeral. So fast forward to being at this, this girl's funeral, Dorothy's funeral. And Dorothy took her life in such a way that there was no way that it could have backfired, let's say, uh, as she jumped off uh, quite a large building, um, uh, bridge, sorry. And um, there wasn't really a chance of, 
of being rescued if that happened. So there are other people that when they choose to do this act, they may do something that uh, could still leave some room that perhaps it won't work. Um, in this case, that wasn't the case. Anyways, fast forward to her funeral. We're at her funeral and they read a letter that Dorothy left behind. And the letter that Dorothy left behind was saying that she felt that she had no other choice but to take her life. She went through um, all the different ways that she had sought help. She had sought you know, help from a counselor. She had sought help from uh, residential treatments, which is where you go and live there. Her parents were both counselors. Um, she was adopted and she had been badly abused before she was adopted. And there was pieces of her that could not let that go. And so she felt it was her only choice. And I just have to tell you that in that moment, I mean, I had chills, I was crying, and I got, oh my goodness, I just figured out what I need to do with my life. <laughs> and, you know, they say good comes out of bad, and, and I would prefer that to have not happened, so I didn't have to have that aha, but I was having an aha at that moment. And my aha was, I want to help people so that when they are sitting down to write such a letter, that they know, they know that there's got to be another choice. So for the people that are like the Hannah Bakers in the world, so Hannah Baker's the one who took her life in 13 Reasons Why, that you wouldn't get to that point. You would, you would maybe feel like you're at that point, but there would be hope and there would be a choice and there could be a different choice made. And same with my friend Dorothy, that, you know, even if she was standing on that bridge to jump, that something, I could be the reason why somebody would not make that jump. And maybe not me personally, but something I've done. Whether I've taught somebody, like a parent, her parents, whether I've taught her friends, whether uh, I've taught a counselor, who, whoever, whatever this magical trick could be that could bring somebody off that brink of choosing to do that. And one of the things I think are being happy just because, okay? And what happy being happy just because means is that when life does suck, because it's going to sometimes, and yes, ma'am, I use the word suck in... in when I was a kid, I would get in trouble if I used the word suck. Haha, <laughs> but I can use it now. Um, anyways, uh, life is going to suck sometimes. And basically, it's knowing or realizing that you have a choice to how to get through that. And the other key piece is it's knowing and realizing that things happen to you, yes, but you choose your reaction. And... I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that, guys. So if something happens to you, even the worst possible thing, you get to choose how you experience that. And I was first uh, heard that when I went to um, a weekend retreat and they had a girl stand up. So it was a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday retreat, pretty intense hours, pretty intense content, content, content sorry, and dialogue. And... Um, what I learned was that they had this girl stand up on stage and she said, hi, my name is Sarah and I was raped. And that she said it in a way that she was saying, could be saying, hi, my name is Sarah and I ate chocolate cake for dinner. So not with a lot, I mean, maybe you'd say that a little more excited, like the chocolate cake parts, but um, let's take a different example. Hi, I'm Sarah and I had broccoli for dinner. And um, just what I'm trying to point out here is she said that without that affecting her, without that then being the story that she's created that she has to live in. So is rape awful? Absolutely. 
is um, somebody being able to say that and still move forward with their life a good thing? Absolutely. So what she was choosing in that moment was to be, I'm going to be happy just because. So even though that that's happened to me, I'm not going to let it dictate the rest of my life. And, and that's what happens sometimes with people is that something happens to them and then they feel that they can't move free from that. So you have uh, something happen to you and then that becomes who you define yourself as. So in that case, that girl could have defined herself as the person who was raped and therefore, you know, making choices moving forward in her future she might have made choices based on that fact and based on fear, perhaps, or based on thinking that people were like that, or based on not going to certain functions because that might happen, or creating all of this around it. And instead, what she was choosing to do is to say, this happened to me, but it doesn't define me. It just is something that happened to me. And I want that for everybody. I want everybody to be able to separate themselves from their story. So you are a human being who has went through things, absolutely, but you don't need to live in that story. You can separate yourself from it. So realizing that life isn't always fair, realizing that sometimes life is going to suck, um, and then still moving forward. And I think that in 13 Reasons Why, the Netflix show, Hannah Baker didn't have that, right? She got stuck in her stories. And there's various reasons why. And so let's do why not today in terms of one of her reasons why. And I think that one of her reasons why was school, right? She, uh, a lot of the events that happened to her were school-based, either the people from school or happened at school, or she tried to talk to people at school, um, teachers, counselors, and it didn't help. And so school needs to be a safe place. School needs to be a place where you can have these experiences that might suck too, but that you have a safe place to go. And so you have a safe group of friends to talk to. You have a counselor to talk to. You have maybe a VP, a vice principal or a principal or a favorite teacher, um, a guidance counselor. I'm not sure if I mentioned that already. Social worker, child and youth worker, best friends. Um, coach, right? There's like a whole list of people that could be at school and that could be people that are really there for you to be able to reach out to. And um, unfortunately, in her situations, that didn't happen. But don't give up people. Go find somebody else to talk to. However, I know that's really difficult because, you know, you've put yourself out there. She really extended herself the character in 13 Reasons Why, and, and did let her counselor know what had happened. So let's just break that down for a sec. Um, what her counselor didn't do was take that information and um, try and help her. What the teacher didn't do was take that information. Uh, she wrote a poem, um, and they were pretty sure they knew that it was her who had written the poem, and, and really nobody did anything about that. Use, still use people, still use those, those tools at school. Maybe you're going to get her to write a poem for English or a story and put your thoughts down. And, you know, not all teachers are going to be like that teacher. There's going to be a teacher out there that's going to read that and know what to do with that information and know how to help you and know how to support you. And on, on the other hand, teachers, <laughs> you need to get some mental health training, right? School teaches physical health, and usually it's supposed to be an important, important component. 
Um, and I believe there's even a standard that I think we're supposed to get 60 minutes a day. Um, and what about mental health? You know, where are we teaching our kids about mental health and what goes into that and why it's so necessary? And so 13 reasons why not, right? We're talking about the school system. And one of the ways is still express yourself, kids that may be watching this or parents encouraging your kids to still express themselves through writing if that's what they do. So you're going to talk to somebody at school. I've mentioned counselors. There's got to be somebody that they feel connected to at school. Who is that? Help them figure out who that is. Um, help them articulate what it might be. And, and as a parent, you may not have that, those resources, but, but the school's responsible too. So, you know, at, at the very least, the counselor, the VP. We had a, a situation with my eldest this year where um, he had uh, experienced some depression-like behaviors and, and didn't go to school for two weeks. And this is a lovely, lovely child. I know he's my child, but I do feel he's a lovely, lovely child. And, and as did his teachers, the majority of them that I spoke to. Um, and, you know, his VP and his P were making these, vice principal and principal were making these decisions about his future. And I, and I sent an email saying, have you met him yet? Have you actually introduced yourself to him? Have you went around and talked to his teachers that have worked with him so that you can make an informed decision about who you're talking about? So sometimes we're going to have to be our children's advocates in these situations. And I invite you to make sure that you understand that schools have a responsibility, but you also understand that sometimes you're going to have to be your child's advocate through these things. Um, so you just want to make sure that your school, your child's school is a healthy place. If you're a teacher, you want to make school sure that your classroom is a healthy place, that your school culture, if you're a vice principal or a principal, is a healthy place. As a counselor, how are, how are kids coming to see you? Do they know how accessible you are? Do you go out and do other things in the school so that it's not like the counselor's office that they have to go through, right? So 13 reasons why not is what we're talking about. And we're trying to identify school as a safe place. I'm just going to grab my notes here because I have um, some questions. So you, what you really want to do is figure out where does your child um, receive information about mental health? Uh, as I mentioned, school is big on physical health, but where is mental health taught? And be an advocate for your child being able to get that information. What happens at schools typically, guys, is that unless somebody's red flagged or something happens, that that information isn't necessarily forthcoming. I've given examples of my, my eldest son, but let's go to my youngest son who's in grade school. Um, he's not red flagged because he is um, not having behavioral or academic issues that they're identifying, but he has some strong anxiety about school. And so what happens is when I bring it up, well, he doesn't show that when he's here. When he's here, he's fine. Or his grades are fine. Uh, or he gets along with other people. So because they don't see that, he's not being red flagged, and therefore they're not necessarily willing to do something about it. And I, what I'm saying to you as a parent teachers, also I'm talking to you, is that it doesn't matter if they're red flagged. Kids you, kids um, see their teachers sometimes more than they see their parents and spend more time with them at school. And you have a responsibility in that case to, yes, yes, get the curriculum out there. But isn't it more important that we're teaching the human being the curriculum? And so if that person isn't able 
to uh, access the information or absorb the information, then why is that, right? Look for some signs as a teacher as to, is this person mentally healthy? What could be going on with them? Absences, that would be a big thing to, to see. You know, are they wearing the same clothes? What's in their lunches? Um, who are their friends? Um, how are they reacting to things? You know, um, there's so many different ways, but it, instead what, what we do is red flag the kids maybe that uh, are behaving poorly or aren't doing well academically. And yeah, red flag those kids too, for sure. But what about the kids that are slipping through the, ha the cracks, right? So in this case, for 13 Reasons Why, Hannah was uh, looking like she was being a good student up to a certain point you know, handing things in and, and doing well so she wasn't being red flagged. Even when she was giving them reasons to red flag her, uh, like the poem she wrote. So, so we have these opportunities, parents. Read what your kids are writing, whether it's in their journal, whether it's on their social media. You know, we had a conversation with our 13-year-old. She did not understand why we needed her passwords because I'm a good kid. Why do you need this stuff? Because it gives us insight, insight into what is going on in their worlds. Um, make sure you have that. Okay, so the question was, where do your kids learn about mental health? Who are your child's advocates? So you want them to have advocates everywhere in their world. At school, hopefully their teacher is their advocates, but maybe not. Their principal could be their advocates. When my son was experiencing some social anxiety around school, or actually it wasn't really social anxiety, just anxiety in general, uh, we made a plan with the principal that if he couldn't go to his classroom, he could go to her classroom. And then he also had some other teachers in the school that had connected with him, and he, they could go to, he could go to their classrooms. So finding plans in place, putting plans in place for who could be their ch your child's advocates. Obviously you as their parent could be, and then eventually they'll, they're trained to be. Right now my 17-year-old, almost 17-year-old, we're training him to be his own advocate. But who is your child's advocate? Um, who does your child turn to when they need help? Um, as we saw in 13 Reasons Why, Hannah did try and turn to some friends. She did try and turn to the teacher. She did try and turn to the counselor. She tried to turn to her parents. Where do your kids have outlets to turn to? Um, do you have an open door, open door policy in your classroom if you're a teacher? Is there an open door policy as if you're a principal? Is there an open door policy as the parent? So what I want to do with my kids is that no matter what, they can tell me what's going on in their worlds because I will be happy just because. <laughs> so, you know, even if they tell me that perhaps they made a choice that wasn't the best choice, that they can still tell me because I'm not going to let that affect how I see them or how I love them. It might affect my decisions I let them make, and, and they know there's going to be some consequences or some boundaries built into that, but they still know that my door is open. I knew this when I was a kid. I knew that I could phone my mom and say, I made a mistake. I went to a party. There is alcohol at this party. I don't have a way to get home. So instead of being so afraid to call so that I make a choice and maybe get into a car just so that I think I can get home so my parents don't know, I knew that I could make a choice. I knew there would be a consequence to that choice. Um, however, I still knew that I could call and that they would love me because I knew that I didn't affect their moods. So as a parent, can you say that? Can you say, can you knowingly say, it doesn't matter what my kids do, I'm still going to love them and they're not going to affect my moods? That's being happy just because. Um, where's your child's voice allowed to be expressed? Huge one. 
if you don't let your kids say no to you, if you don't let your kids negotiate family rules, if you don't let your kids uh, negotiate the basics, like what they're going to wear or um, <laughs> how they're going to maybe not have food when they go out the door because you're, you know, allowing them to start to build a voice and um, allowing them to say no to us and allowing them to change some rules. And um, that's going to be really important in their mental health because we're going to set the kids into the world and we're going to say, hey, don't get into that car with that person who's been drunk or, or who's drunk and driving. And yet we expect them to be able to say no to that situation, but we haven't allowed them to say no at home. So allow your kids to say no to you. Allow your kids to even lie to you. Okay, big, huge one, right? But if I'm happy just because and my child tells me a lie, I want to figure out why they're telling me the lie. I want to figure out what it is. Typically, it's a, it's a problem-solving mechanism. It's not a big, huge moral dilemma, unless they're doing it often, then it might be a big, huge moral dilemma, and that's a different conversation. But if it's a one-off or it's a couple-off, investigate why. Why are they feeling that they need to lie? Kids feel that they need to lie, usually get out of something, or they know that they've done something wrong, so then they lie about it. Again, as long as it's not a pattern, as long as they're not lying on a continuous basis, that's a different conversation to have. But if it, if it is a one-off or a two-off or a three-off, then you want to get to the bottom of why they're lying to you, and you want to help them figure out different ways to problem solve. And you want to be happy just because. Happy because they're still talking to you, right? Because if they're still talking to you, they've told you the lie, the lines of communication are still open. Um... What we want to do is understand that children face a huge amount of pressure that maybe we didn't face when we were kids. Um, or maybe we did, but it's a little bit more um, in your face these days. I'll give you an example. I was swimming at a local lake yesterday. There was two girls uh, and a bunch of guys, and um, they were saying to the girls, hey, go out on the paddleboard in your bikinis and uh, have a little wrestling fight on the paddle boards. And so the girls, you know, laughing, giggling, go out on there. And next thing you know, every single boy's phone is out and they're video recording these girls on the paddleboard in their bikinis um, having a fun fight. Well, oh, it actually just actually makes me a little bit queasy because it, look at how far that can be spread now, right? Those, where are those videos going to go? How viral can they go? And basically what happens in 13 Reasons Why is one of her reasons is somebody spread something about her that went viral instantaneously. And that's what can be happening. I would want to swim across to those girls on the paddleboard and say, hey, <laughs> why, are, why would you do this? Why would you be listening to these people telling you to do this? And then turn and see they're all videoing it. And that that's permanent. That's forever now. So we may have made silly choices when we were kids or teenagers um, or young adults. And uh, it's not permanent. It's now permanent, right? Those videos can come up now for anything that they possibly do in life. And so do our kids know that? Do they understand the effects of what's going on with that social media? And, you know, we can talk to them about it, but do they actually understand it and the ramifications of it? So basically what it comes down to is being aware of choices and that choices have consequences. And um, we are not necessarily promoting that in the same way or talking to our kids about that 
because maybe we don't understand it ourselves. But uh, there's lots of information out there on that. And, and another episode will be about screen time and what we can do and sort of cyberbullying. But for right now, what I want to really leave you with is that being happy just because, presenting that as a parent or as a teacher, that no matter what's going on around you, that that's not going to affect your mood so that the children know, your children or other people's children perhaps, know that they can come and approach you because they can tell you what's actually going on in their world without having to be so worried about how you're going to perceive it or how you're going to take it, that your mood is going to change based on that and that you can take it. Then what you're doing is you're also wanting to give that to your children. And and it's like a superpower. It's a superpower to walk through life and be like, no matter what happens to me, what shit happens to me, what life's sucky moments that happen to me is I can choose to be happy just because. It's not that easy. It can sound pretty easy. Choose to be happy just because. There's lots of skills built into that, and I've given you some of them today, which is finding an advocate, being a good role model of that, role modeling it yourself, um, having an open door policy with your kids, um, being able to love that child that no matter what they're going to say to you, you're still going to love them, giving them an opportunity to say no to you and giving them opportunity to set boundaries with you, even allowing them to lie to you so that you can get to behind the why, checking into their accounts, their social media accounts having their passwords for everything so you can kind of know where they're at and what's going on for them. Understanding that they need to understand what mental health is, just like you might tell your child to uh, that exercise is important or that eating healthy is important. Well, having mental health, healthy mental health <laughs> is important as well. Um, we stigmatize that and we really need to actually not stigmatize that. If you listen to the episode before, I talk about how mental health can be explained and to quickly sum it up, somebody feels like they're drowning, can sound, feel like they're drowning all the time without a lifeboat or a life vest or seeing land in the future. And so depending on where they're at in their, in their feeling of that, they could feel completely submerged or they could feel like maybe there is a hope and they just have to get there. And so we want people to understand mental health. Um, we want it to be 13 reasons why not because somebody will make the choice not to do that because they're going to know that there is hope there, that there is help and hope there for them. But they have to understand that. And so how do they understand that? They need some education around it. All right, so let's just kind of sum that up super quick for you, which is mental health needs to be taught. Who's teaching it to your child? Is school teaching it? They do have a responsibility. Who's being an advocate for your child other than you? Okay, hopefully you are. And hopefully you're getting this information so you now know how to be a different or a better advocate. But also who's at school being their advocate? Doesn't have to just be the teacher. There's so many different people that could be an advocate for your child at school. Vice principal, principal, counselor, social worker, child and youth worker, teacher's aide. Okay, there's a teacher. There's a huge range of people that could help your child out at school. Put plans in place for this. Invest it more. Let me know. Maybe there's a particular situation that's reoccurring and we need to talk about it. So put it in the comments, PM me. Um, this information today is coming to you from some stories that I've shared about what I went through um, with my kids, um, what I went through when I was a teenager, and also some other different moms that I've talked to. Um, in my work as a social worker and a teacher and a tutoring CEO. Um, so 
we we can make a change. We can be the 13 reasons why not. And so 13 reasons why not today is teaching mental health. Mental health has to be spoken about just like healthy food choices. Just like you wouldn't say to your kid, have a Coke every day. You probably wouldn't say to your kid to make unhealthy mental choices every day. And yet we're not talking about it. Let's start the conversation. So I am saying, watch 13 Reasons Why, the Netflix series, and watch my series, 13 Reasons Why Not, or listen to it on a podcast. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. It's Amber Scotchburn from Tutoring and Parenting with a Twist, and I hope I've enlightened you today so that perhaps you can be the change that you need to see, that we all need to see in the world. Thank you. Great to have you with me today at With a Twist. Please don't forget to give me a five-star rating on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. As well as follow me on Facebook at Amber Scotchburn. Thanks so much.